Welcome to Financial Flight Academy with John Schutz and Brent Connolly from Soar Wealth Strategies. In this podcast, we inspire families and business owners to build a foundation for their financial future. We do this by listening and building trust with our clients. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to protect your nest and live out your dreams as John and Brent draw from years of experience and guest experts to help you take that leap of faith. Well, Brent, today we have a guest that is going to part your hair if you pay her the right amount of money. But when we talk about people who inspire us, this lady is right at the top of the list. Welcome to Financial Flight Academy. I'm John Schutz. And I'm Brent Connolly. We are the founding partners here at Soar Wealth Strategies. And like always, this podcast is meant to introduce you to people that have taken the leap of faith and created their own success. So let's jump right in. Yeah, uh, I'm telling you, you see this lady now, Brent, and you would never guess what she had to go through to get where she is today. She had big rodeo dreams, right, Liz? Yes. 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 But ended up homeless with an infant son, and today she is a successful business owner. From Liz Henny Studios, we welcome Liz Dine. Welcome, Uh, Liz. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for having me. Yeah. Well, and we we would explain you're married now, but you didn't change the name of Liz Henny Studios. No, I didn't. Right. It's I know it's a whole big Mm -hmm. hassle, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So to save the confusion, I just wanted to get that out of the way first. But Liz, your story, when we first met as a client of mine, Mm -hmm. I was shocked the day you told me your story. So but let's start first where you grew up. You're from Auburn, Nebraska. What was life growing up like for you in Auburn? Well, small town, grew up on a farm. Um, All the small town, I mean, all the small town things, you know, um, all the country living, um, hard work. What did your parents do? Um, so my mom worked at ACI as like an inspector on parts. And then my dad worked for, um, the state of Nebraska. And so he worked kind of like on the roads. He was like a, um, supervisor. Mm -hmm. And then on the side, my dad would help other farmers. So he would run tractors, combines, whatever they needed. So my dad wasn't kind of around a lot because it was like he was working two jobs. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my mom would hurry home from work and <laughs> try and get us to where we needed to be there. I have three brothers. Mm-hmm. So it was four total kids. And um, we were busy. We kept my parents mm-hmm. at a constant <laughs> run, I feel I, like. I bet. And you had a hanky dinky in town. So that's always <laughs> important. But as far as financially, I think you told me that was kind of a, a big part of right. uh, just learning how to manage money. Right. Because there were six total in our family mm-hmm. and four kids, three boys that would just eat you out of a house and home. <laughs> you know, uh, I just remember constantly running out of milk and my mom could never keep enough milk. I don't know. Uh, when I saw hinky dinky on these notes here, yeah. I had to chuckle because my father worked at hinky dinky really? growing up. Yes. Right. Oh my yes. Gosh. Yeah. Second best name to Piggly Wiggly for yeah. a grocery store. But anyway, sure. I digress. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, um, well, when we, when you would go shopping at hinky dinky, you could get, collect like all of these stamps and basically you make sheets of stamps and, um, you would get, I think maybe like 10 cents off, um, like milk right. or something like that. So it was helpful for us at the time, you know, I'm, I mean, it was, that grocery bill was so expensive for my parents, for all of us. I mean, sure. I couldn't imagine, like, especially now. Right. But 
just giving a little bit of something off, you know, every bit helped. So, yep. Liz, tell me a little bit more about this rodeo and, and oh dreams God. of that. Cause I, that sounds really exciting. So my mom was into horses when she was little and then she introduced me to horses and I, I fell in love with them. So <clears throat> when I was in, younger, I got my first horse when I was 12 years old and my mom put me in 4-H, which I thought was amazing. A lot of I responsibility with the horse, was, right? It was a it, big responsibility. Right. I mean, and that so, did fall on my shoulders. My parents helped me, mm-hmm. but like even seeing the expense, you know, of that and just like the work that went into it, it, it was, it was a lot, but so much fun. That's where that all started was um, 4-H. And then on the side, as I got older, my mom put me in like a saddle club. And so I got to do some barrel racing on the side because I mean, I, I didn't love like all the showmanship classes. You want to get a little dirty. Yeah. Yeah, Let's race. Let's race. That is a lot of fun to see those gals running those horses around those barrels. What was your horse's name? Uh, my horse's name was Sana and there's like a long story, um, behind that, but Anyways, and, um, <laughs> maybe next episode. Yeah, maybe right. next episode. So, anyways, so I had her all through high school, and unfortunately, um, before I went to college, she passed away. Oh. It was when West Nile was starting to pick up in yeah. Nebraska, yeah. and yeah. so she had gotten West Nile, and it was like months before because I was taking that horse with me. You were going to go college. to college? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. So anyways, so what, but okay. So you had some other interests growing up though, that, uh, you you had to make a decision before you oh, went yeah. to college. Right. So what were some of those other interests growing so up? So I was heavy into softball mm-hmm. and I was a beast. Really? I'm yeah. not going to lie. What position? I played catcher. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Behind and, the dish. Call I'm, the game. I mean, I would just run into the fence and it was fine. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, a part of that honestly was how I was brought up though, you know? Um, also competing constantly with my brothers all the time and it helped me become, I feel like more competitive. And so I was, I didn't realize like how good I actually was until maybe I'm like older mm-hmm. and my mom tells me stories and stuff, but I would do camps and all those things. And eventually, um, I ended up going to a camp and then they did a tryout. And later on I got, accepted to Concordia University and going through high school by the time the end of the year I was thinking so I'm either going to go to a school that doesn't really offer any rodeo stuff right or I'm going to go to the rodeo school (laughs) right so right that's what I decided to do and so I went to Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture out in Curtis Nebraska Mm -hmm. just another little small town yeah right Mm -hmm. yeah and so, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, where I went from there. And what was the plan to study out there? So I first went into vet tech because I thought, okay, I'm not going to be able to always um, rodeo, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to probably make any money doing that. <laughs> so Horse not fast enough? Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's not. Well, actually my horse passed away, John, right. before. So Hard to barrel race without a horse. So um, anyways, although, I, I although would- I did do it on a stick horse at the Sydney, Iowa rodeo. Oh my it was God. with little kids, but yeah, I did lose John too, people. but anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> that's so great. So let's see. Okay. So I went out to school to, into vet tech and that's where I started. And when you're going to school, you get to pick electives. So, and, it, and it, each elective that I chose, I stayed longer and got another degree. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I left Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture with a degree in vet tech, equine industry management, and livestock production, also certified to AI. Wow. So when I say that, it's like a lifetime ago. Yeah, right. I mean, that's just a total different lifestyle than I have right now. So, but I enjoyed it. It was, it was hard work. And again, brings me back to like my parents and the values and the work ethic that I was instilled with, you know? Right. So, absolutely. So this is where you meet the father of your child. Okay. Yeah. So, so this is where now we're going to get into some really interesting stuff here. I know. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, not great decisions, I mean, but well, but you know, but it, it's going to demonstrate your strength and yeah. working through things. So, right. Yeah. So, um, I met my son's dad there, and uh, we ended up moving to Kearney, and we were there for a few months, and he got a job to work on the pipeline out in Colorado. So we sold everything that we had. Wow. Except for some clothes on our backs. I mean, we were even selling horses that we had because at the time we were both training horses or doing some rodeo, anything that we had, we sold it and we bought a fifth wheel camper and we thought we're going out there. We're going to, you know, pay off all of our college debt. Mm -hmm. This is going to be amazing. So we got out there and we were there for um, a few months. And then I found out that I was pregnant. I actually thought it was high altitude because we were in the mountains really high up, but it turns out- at some point you realize, yeah. huh, this is not altitude. No, not altitude no. sickness. No. So, and also the, it was, it, when I look back on it, it was so sad because I couldn't call my parents and tell them right away or get any advice. I also didn't know I was pregnant until I was probably 12 weeks or mm-hmm. maybe a little over. Mm-hmm. And there was no cell phone service. So right. I was about four months pregnant before I could tell my mom and dad, because I would wow. have to drive two hours to get cell phone service. Wow. So, so what happened with that pipeline job at that time? He, he continued to work. I couldn't do that because it was too dangerous right. for, um, I, I mean, I stayed in high altitude, but it was too dangerous for me to do that. Mm-hmm. So we still had our horses, um, with us. And so I would, um, train, train what horses we had up until a certain point in my pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And then I took up waitress jobs wherever, but you know, we would move every like two to three weeks to a different location. So I would be looking for another job. So I felt like a job hopper, which doesn't set well with me, but I knew I still needed to make some sort of money. Mm -hmm. And then, then um, he, we moved to Utah and that was very isolating because we were up in the mountains with no service. High and altitude. It was very high altitude. Got to be hard on a pregnant lady. Yeah. 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 Hi, hard to breathe. So at that point I couldn't work anymore and we planned to have the baby in Grand Junction, Colorado. So I would drive back and forth mm-hmm. from, um, Ogden. It was out in kind of like the Ogden area. Um, of Utah. And so, yeah, I would drive back and forth between there and Grand Junction, Colorado. Oh my gosh. And then how far is that? About, I think it was about a three hour drive. Okay. Gotcha. And, and so what's happening to you? I mean, it's gotta be difficult to handle mentally. You're away from your family. You're alone. You're pregnant, high altitude, driving three hours to the doctor. 
it was very isolating mm-hmm. Jonna. it was when i think back at that now being where i'm at in my life i mean i was definitely depressed mm-hmm. i mean in that pregnancy i had put on 75 pounds mm-hmm. right which is a lot i was only 22 right okay. right so just yeah that was hard so at what point do you decide i got to get a little closer to civilization cuz i'm having a baby okay so because you just said you're going to have yep. it in grand junction right so we moved in so the he Colton was born. That's his name. He was born um September 15th, but his due date was the 22nd. So we're over here thinking, you know, we're gonna have this baby early. It'll be right on time, right? That's when they said the babies do. Babies are not punctual, <laughs> oh are they? Gosh. So um about two weeks before we moved to Grand Junction, um, Colorado, and we lived in, you know, a fifth wheel camper. So we went to an RV park, which by the way was really nice in Grand Junction. They had a swimming pool. You know, they got mountains. Yeah. 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 So anyways, we um lived there and well, actually I lived there because he went back to Utah to work. So he's now eight hours away from yeah. me where his job okay. is. So I mean, I don't know how long you want the story to be, John. Well, so te- let's go let's move to the uh delivery day. Oh, oh. And yeah. how you get to the hospital. Yeah, tell us about that. The so that my water, yeah, to go. yeah, my water broke and I didn't know anybody um, there at all. And so I looked out the um, door and I saw a lady carrying her laundry. And so I thought, oh, I'm just going to ask her if she can help me. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, oh, my gosh, are you are you? And I said, yes, my water broke. I need to go to the hospital. So she ditched her laundry in the middle of the road. <laughs> My goodness. And she drove me to the hospital. So at this point, you know, that there's ambulance and police that are in the this RV park because <laughs> somebody's wife is missing and there's a pregnant lady and we can't find either one of them. Oh, no. So, wow. Oh, my gosh. Um, My labor was 36 hours long. And so my parents were able to make it from Nebraska. <laughs> and obviously Colton's dad was able to make it back and yeah and so i ended up having to have an emergency c-section it was really terrifying sounds like it was difficult after the pregnancy as far as you know you couldn't feel your legs right you could stand for a while yes a little bit about that um so with emergency c-section um they had lost colton's heart rate and it was a lot of um scrambling and yelling and i had been hit in the spine with a spinal tap twice and it was too high up and it was way too much given to me. So for seven days, I couldn't feel my legs. Oh my. Oh, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go to the bathroom. I, it, it was a long time to get that feeling back. Well, in that time, Colton had also been admitted to the hospital because he had jaundice. So we're both like just not doing super well. Right. You're hitting life's lottery yeah. so right. far, right? Yeah. So about two weeks, we were in the hospital and we finally get out. And um, then we are in Grand Junction, Colorado. And then we're kind of like, okay, we're home. Everything's good. My parents were still out there with us. And then we decided, well, not we, I guess the pipeline moved to Meeker, Colorado. So now we have this three week old baby and now we're moving to Meeker, Colorado where it snows nine months out of the year. It's very high altitude again. And 
a lot of snow, one way in, one way out type of roads. And you were in a kind of a a treacherous situation with the baby Um, at one point. Yes. Um, So one at one point I was left by myself because again, he had a job site that he had to go. He was gone for three weeks. He had to go finish up this job site in um, Utah. So I was um, by myself and that was snowing and a lot of snow like happened. What knee deep. Right. I would uh-huh. say maybe even higher than that. So I woke up in the middle of the night and I just like kind of got a smell. I noticed that it was gas. Oh boy. And I could see my breath. So <laughs> I instantly try and find the baby. Right. Because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, are we, we're not going to make it. Yeah. And so I grabbed my baby, bundled him all up and put him in bed. And I thought we got to get out of here. Mm-hmm. But also it had snowed so much, but I didn't realize how much snow until I opened the door and I look at my car and the window had fallen in my car. So now the snow is in my car. Right. So that's super great. So I crawled underneath of our fifth wheel camper and I found a space heater. And by the way, it's like I've had a C-section and I'm just still only four weeks out from that. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So. Um, I find the space heater and I plugged it in and we just hunkered down and made it through the night. And then, so we were out of, we had no heat. Wow. Unbelievable. Scary. That is quite the story of survival and it doesn't end there. So when we come back, going to talk about homelessness and recovering from that. Excuse me. Yeah. You. Thanks so much for listening to Financial Flight Academy. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at SoarWealthStrategies.com. And all of our social media platforms are listed in the show notes. And we're back here with Liz telling her story. Liz, did you ever think about moving back home at this point? I mean... Yes, actually, um, many times I had thought about that, but I also wanted to keep, you know, my baby close to his dad. Um, And then eventually I did decide that just because we were moving so much and always having to find a new doctor and it was getting hard. So I did, yeah, decide to um, move back and try to like find um, a house. And where, where did you go? Well, I went back actually another crazy story. I went back to um, my parents' house. And so at this point, um, I'm three, I was three weeks or I'm sorry, three months after I had had um, Colton and my C-section came open. (laughs) So I ended up back in the hospital and then I actually went back out to Colorado and I was there for probably another nine months. And then eventually moved back. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was staying with my parents, but trying to get to Kearney because there were more opportunities. And that's also where my um, son's dad was from. Mm -hmm. So um, we were going to just try and be back like closer to Kearney and more opportunities, I guess, for me. Sure. No altitude, civilization. Yes. So you're, you're in Kearney and then suddenly the relationship with Colton's dad goes south. So let's talk about that a little bit, how you, how that happened. You are thrown on the streets basically. So I was wanting to, um, pursue a career doing hair and he did not want me to do that. And so anyways, he, he basically told me that I needed to, um, you know, 
collect my things uh-huh. and Colton's, but we could only take one bag. <laughs> so we, we put, I put everything that I could into a trash bag and mm-hmm. I had no gas in my car. I didn't have a penny to my name because at this point I've been, I haven't been working. Right. Yeah. And Colton is how old? Um, Colton maybe. was about maybe a year. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. He was, he was about a year. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I had a lady that approached me at a grocery store. I mean, I'm sure that people have heard the story before. Got approached at a grocery store by a Mary Kay lady. She was so sweet. <laughs> and um, she gave me her card. She complimented me, gave me her card, and I called her. Really? And I asked her for help. Wow. Mostly because I didn't know anybody else at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I had no... I, my parents said let me come and get you. Let us come and get you. Let us take care of you. And I said, mom, I don't have time for this. Like, honestly, I don't have time to drive home because I don't have any money. Right. I don't have any gas. And they wanted to come out and pick me up. And I said, I need to start working today. So I went down to um, the steakhouse and I had this Mary Lake Katie. She, she actually let um, Colton and I stay for two weeks, um, in her home and she helped, she would watch him so I could work. Oh my. And so that day I went down to whiskey Creek and I begged for a job and just so happens they needed help. So I started right then and there. And <laughs> so she watched Colton for me and I worked and then I decided I'm, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be in, um, you know, serving is great. It was great money. I mean, at that time, it was getting me where I needed, mm-hmm. you know, Colton and I eventually were able to get an apartment. The apartment complex lady was so nice. She heard my story and, um, she didn't make me pay like the first month, the last month in a deposit. She just asked for a deposit. And then I started hair school. And so while you're working yes. a full-time job, <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I would work at night. And so, I I mean, when I look back on that, I sacrificed a lot of time with Colton so that way I can make a living for us. So I'm being stretched so thin at this point. And um, I actually ended up in the hospital because I was sick. Mm -hmm. Um, My body was sick. I wasn't sleeping. Right. You didn't have time to sleep. Right. Yeah, Yeah, that's exactly right. So I ended up in the hospital and the doctor sat me down and said... There's a reason why the state offers people like you money to survive. Mm -hmm. And that's what you need. Mm -hmm. You need to take it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I was just too proud. Like I was thinking, you know, I don't need that. Like I'm, I'm not doing that. Right. Mm -hmm. But at this point it was either I'm going to continue to be sick or I'm going to have to give up something. Yeah. It's not like you were purposely not working. You were working your tail off yes. to make ends meet. Right. And that's, ex- that's exactly why those programs. Are exactly. Yeah. Yes. Right. So I ended up, I, I ended up getting help from the state to pay for childcare so I can continue my schooling. Um, they also, I, I backed off of um, working at Whiskey Creek, but I slowed down with that and just did on the weekends and not so much during um, the week. So spend more time with Colton. Right. So yeah. I could be there, you know, be a parent, be a mother. Right. Um, and be home with him in the evenings. So um I 
was able to get help from the state with housing and food. And that then I guess I ended up moving to Omaha because I wanted to be closer to my family. So you got your cosmetology degree. Yes, I did. You had gotten an apartment in Kearney yes. after all, all of this stuff, yes. which is amazing to me. Right. So, uh, so you end up in Omaha. Right. What happens then? Uh, because the story still isn't getting much rosier, right? I know. Okay. So while I was in school, it's at the very end of my mm-hmm. uh, schooling, my mom went in for a surgery and she walked into surgery and she did not walk out of it, unfortunately. And so she's been in a wheelchair since. And so I was kind of borderline, like, now I need to go and take care of my mom. Right, right. So do I give up my school? Wouldn't accept help for yourself. I know. But, right. (laughs) So now I'm thinking, you know, I I need to, maybe I need to give up schooling and go take care of my mom. And then I thought, you know, my mom wouldn't want me to do that. She would want me to finish. And I'm so close. Yeah. So I finished out. And that's why I moved to Omaha, you know, so I could be closer to my family. Sure. I didn't move to Auburn because, you know, Auburn was already like <laughs> so full of hairstylists and salons. So right. I was in Omaha. I moved to Omaha and um, I have two brothers that live here. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to um, have family close. Mm-hmm. And I also lived with one of my brothers while I kind of got on my feet. Right. And it was hard to get on my feet, actually, because the first salon that I worked at when I moved here I wasn't actually getting paid. So, so well, say that again. You're, you're sounds like a bad job. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know. Right. What do you mean you're not getting paid? Well, I, I don't think that the company, the um, owner was like running the business correctly because you would go and deposit your check and it would look like you would have money in there. But then in fact, it was like, now I'm writing a bad check to daycare. Yeah. Because there were no funds. Oh, my. So I worked there for six months. And at the beginning, you know, I was getting paid. Mm -hmm. But then it slowly like, oh, well, you're only going to get this much or this, you know, and it just never was like a full paycheck. Right. And then the last two months, I was like bouncing checks for daycare because there was no money in my account. Right. So you saw that writing on the wall and then you, where'd Mm -hmm. you go from there then? So then um, I went back through my list when I was moving here to Omaha, all these salons that I had went and toured and asked questions. And a few of them I had um, interviews at and I went to Omaha's Hair Choice and that's where I met Peggy and she changed my life. Hmm. So for the better. Yes. For the better. Yeah. So, so they, Peggy, uh, you had a training program there. Yep. Or... There was like an apprentice program kind of, I mean, that's basically what it is. Um, some are like 18 months, some are nine months. I had blown through her program that she had set up for me in about five months. So, I mean, again, I just hit the floor running there and every no, uh, like literally led me to a yes. Mm-hmm. And so I would stay late, come in early. I was a yes, ma'am. <laughs> right. You know, never right. said no. Right. I never said no. But right. then again, I sacrificed time 
with Colton so I could get ahead. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of that is because at the time, you know, I wasn't making, when you're in an apprentice program, you're not making a lot sure. of money. Yeah. And there were times where I was like, okay, either like only one of us is eating. So, so then you took the big leap of faith and said, okay, it's time for me to do this on my, go out on my own. Well, eventually and, after I had built my clientele uh -huh, up to right, a right. certain level, I said, all right, let's do it. Awesome. But before then I decided what the heck, I'm just going to go ahead and build a house really quick. So I did that. <laughs> whoa, 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 wait a minute here. Whoa. <laughs> what the heck? I mean, you know, I was homeless. I think I should build a house. I know. So, I mean, I, I had worked my, worked my way up in um, Peggy's program and at that salon to where, you know, I had an apartment now I'm like making it, I'm doing good. Mm -hmm. And I have this money and I'm thinking, man, I'm just giving it to the apartment complex. Like this is a mortgage basically. So I started looking for houses and I couldn't find one also that my mom in a wheelchair could get into. So I decided oh, let's just do it. So I, I, I got to build it the way I want it. Exactly. I love it. Okay. Yeah. So you build this house. Right. Okay. Wow. And they told me, you know, don't be trying to go out on your own. And so I thought, uh, I mean, as a hairstylist, we just are a little bit of a rule breakers. Like that's just what we do. <laughs> so I was like, okay. So basically after about six months of owning a house, I started looking for like suites or bays where I could maybe start a, my own business. And about nine months to a year after I had built that house and we moved in, um, I went for it. That's great. And awesome. it was real scary. Yeah. I was going to say it had to be, uh, taking that leap had to be yeah, a, a scary moment. Yeah. It was but really your scary. drive and work ethic. You knew deep down that you were going to make it. Yeah. Because failing was not an option. Exactly. I mean, I have a, I have a child, mm -hmm. you know, so, and the biz business has gone well, right? You're yes. successful. Yes. Yes. Even though now, uh, this story know, blows sorry. my mind. You are you are now married. Colton's doing great, by the Colton's way, right? Doing great. He's 15. Yeah. Oh, He's a freshman. Almost That's hard, hard to drive. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> and you've had a couple more children. Yes. Since then, right? So I've been married for three years and I have a two-year-old and a six-month-old. Mm -hmm. So this story of how you met your husband, I mean, you have to tell this story. Oh my. Okay. Okay. So we met on match.com and we just actually met by like, it was just literally by chance and by accident. My, one of my close friends, she kept saying, look, every day for like five minutes, you just need to like get on and just like, look, just look, it's like shopping. Just get on and look. Just do a little browsing. So, just be careful how you swipe left and right. Right. And that's what happened. So I'm looking, I was like, oh my gosh, I think I know who this is. And I'm also doing her hair at the same time. And I thought, okay, well, my phone froze. So I just set it down and then the next day he messaged me. And so then we kind of like started talking back and forth and he asked me um, for my number and, and if we could meet and I, he, he said, just to let you know, the day that you liked my picture was the day I signed up for a match so I could talk to you. And I thought, I didn't like your picture. Like it was a picture <laughs> of your profile, like a profile of your face. Like I couldn't even see your whole face. Why would I like that? So 
<laughs> the phone froze, you said. I know, yeah, but yeah. actually, I mean, I wasn't really paying attention oh. when I was trying to swipe. Okay. And I must, there's like a little heart. Yeah. And I'm, I must have hit that. So you accidentally <laughs> liked the photo yes. of your future husband. Right. So then we were meeting. Good night, everybody. Yeah, I know. I, know. <laughs> I mean, do you ever think sometimes that things happen for a reason? Right. Liz? It gets better. Oh, boy. Here it gets better. So then I'm thinking, <laughs> I know, I know. Stop so interrupting my story. It gets then better. I'm thinking also as like people are messaging you, there's like in a generic message that you can send out like, Oh, I see you like camping. Where was the last place you camped at? You know, that wasn't a message that they came up with their own. That's matches like sure. message. Yeah. Right. So, so that's the message that I got. And I was thinking like, <laughs> okay, like, and I kind of told myself, like, if you, if a man is going to send me a generic message and not something like truly from, you know, like right. the cuff, like anything, like, Hey, how was your day? I'm probably not going to respond to it. Well, my girlfriend said, look, you just answer it. Just answer it. So I did. Anyways, when Jeremy and I finally met up and talked, he said, I can't believe that you responded to that first message I sent. And I said, you know what? I can't believe I did either. And he said, I had this long message sent out and I accidentally hit the generic message oh. instead of the send. So just so like, still, it's not going, I mean, it's still, oh my goodness. Yeah. Still by chance, you know. Let me tell you about oh camping with a space heater. Yeah, I know. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I have well, better ways to camp. Yeah. Go ahead. Unbelievable story. And yeah. I love the ending. Um, how do people find you at Liz Henny Studios? Um, a lot of people will find me on Facebook at Liz Henny Studios. Um, just looking up or on Instagram at L Henny O2. Well, Liz Dine is her married name now. Yeah. Your story is, I mean, I kind of feel like we cheated your story and only doing about 30 minutes here, but it's uh, it's an amazing story. What an example of courage and strength. And when I trained financial advisors, Liz, I want to let you know that I used your story as an example. I remember asking you, what's important to you about money now? And you said, I just don't ever want to be homeless again. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, in our in our business, Brent, as you know, it's... We, we have to understand the motivation behind what people want to do with their money. Right. And that's what really drives us. And that's something that's very important to us is finding out, you know, what's important to our clients. And Liz, thank you so much for sharing the story. Of course. Um, please check out our website here at soarwellstrategy.com. Contact us if you'd like to set up a, a fit meeting. We would love to learn about you and what your story is and your goals are. And please subscribe to this podcast. It doesn't cost you anything. And you'll be ahead of the line when the next episode comes out in two more weeks. Yep. Liz Dine, thank you so much for sharing your story. You're welcome. All right. And thank you all for listening to Financial Flight Academy. Thank you for listening to the Financial Flight Academy podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at SoarWealthStrategies.com or give us a call at 531-867-3400. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Soar Wealth Strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified 
qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Securities and advisory services offered through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor.